Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Talking Snooker with Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf once again talking about the game we all love. And Phil, we've both got our travel hat on, but frankly, that's not going to stop us recording our favourite podcast. I'm speaking to you from Lerick on the beautiful Shetland Islands. It really is magical here. I've just been on the most wonderful boat trip over to Bresse and Nos seeing all manner of wonderful seabirds, guillemots, puffins, arctic terns, kittiwakes, so many more besides. And even though it's nine o'clock in the evening right now, there's still a couple of hours at least of light left. Long summer days here for me, but it's not just half the Talking Snooker presenting team on their travels. Good day to you, sir. You've been on your own island adventure, haven't you? have indeed, yeah. Didn't see quite as much wildlife. I went to the pub quite a lot in the Isle of Wight, but that was fun. Um, took the dogs. It was the first time they'd been on holiday since we got them, so they enjoyed enjoyed themselves on the beach. But yeah, nice few days in the Isle of Wight. Just got back this afternoon, but uh, yeah, good trip. Good man. Well, let's get on with what we hope we do. Maybe not do best, but we hope do well, and that's talking <laughs> snooker. We now know that eight players have won themselves two-year tour cards after the first two events of Q School. From the first event, it was Peter Lines, Jackson Page, Fraser Patrick and Juan Sijun making it through. And from the second event, which concluded today, Monday in the UK, the players to win tour cards were Alfie Burden, Michael Judge, Barry Pinches and Craig Stedman. And we are delighted to say that one of those happy snooker players joins us for this new episode. Now, when this man first turned professional, John Major was Prime Minister, George Bush Senior was US President, George Graham's Arsenal won the Division One title, and the new world snooker champion was John Parrott. What an achievement to once more win himself a tour card. It's Peter Lines. Peter, so good of you to join us. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. No problem. 
Good man. Well, the first thing to say has to be congratulations. It's a few days on now, I know, but you must still have a, a real feeling of satisfaction and a job well done. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I, I played the World Championships this season, you know, it, it's been a pretty tough year for me and my family and that, but and my confidence was very low. And, you know, I didn't have any aspirations of, of qualifying whatsoever, but I've practised hard over the last two months because... I wanted to give it a go. I wanted to try and get my act together, try and prove that I could still do it. And, you know, I'm delighted to say that, you know, through the hard work, I found some form and, and I qualified through the first event through a pretty tough section as well, you know, considering the players that are at Q school. Yeah, very tough. I mean, 4-0 against Michael White stands out as a real eye-catching result. Obviously, it's funny you watch it. It's one of these events which you can't see any of. We follow it all on sort of frame scores, but... Talk us through your matches. How did they pan out? Um, well, I played I played a young lad, um, up-and-coming player called Connor Benzi in the first round, and I played probably the best snooker I've played for a few years. I felt a bit sorry for him, actually, because uh, I played so well. It was like, um, <laughs> he, he must have thought he was cursed. <laughs> but um, he, he sort of set the tone. It gave me the belief to know that I could, that I could still play out there. And... Um, yeah, like I say, it probably set the tone and, and, and I kept that form going throughout the entire thing, which was really nice, you know. And I, I was, you know, most people would like to say that they, they, they'd want an easy draw if they could get one. I think everyone would take that if they could. But it was quite pleasing to have a tough draw and to come through it. You know, it did give me the belief that I'd earned the tour card, you know, because obviously Ian Burns was the highest ranked player in it and I beat him to qualify. So, yeah, I was I was well chuffed. Yeah, superb. And... It's interesting what you said before. You, so you really didn't sort of fancy your chances when you went there? Or, or do you always sort of think you might? No, when, when I actually got to Q School, I, I did fancy my chances. When I left the World Championship, I, I, I won't say I wasn't planning on entering because I was always going to enter because I love snooker. You know, I love to play snooker. I love to watch snooker. And, and you know, I always wanted to enter. But my confidence was just shot to pieces. I just... I just I just didn't think I would win then. You know, I don't know how I won any matches in the World Championship. It was more it was more luck than it was good play. But, yeah, so I found something. And, you know, I decided to just go back to just playing, you know, just playing for the enjoyment of playing, which is, what I, which is why I started playing when I was 14. So, and it seemed to do the trick. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, I was going to ask about the hunger, but you kind of almost answered that already is it just a sheer love of the game that always shines through with you that keeps you going sort of year after year and in your case decade after decade on tour yeah absolutely because listen I'm not I'm not one of the players that's earned like millions of pounds out of the game you know and, and I've not won any trophies but I, ju I just love the game I just love snooker you know I love to play it I mean I'm fortunate that I've been able to to travel the world been as highly ranked as I was, you know, with, with and, and it's good to go around with your friends, you know, the people you see day in, day out, you're all having, you're all trying to, you know, get that holy grail of winning a tournament, but there's a lot of camaraderie on the tour and it, it would have been sad to not have that anymore. So I'm glad I've got it for at least another two years. Yeah. What, what was, what was going on at the Worlds? Cause you actually got a couple of good, good results there. Yeah. Well, um, I've had some family problems because my mum was really ill and she was really ill for, for they sort of gave her six months to live a while oh. ago and like during that six months it was terrible you know and then she did pass away and and then um about a year ago and 
then lockdown hit, you know, so it was just basically, you never really got over that, you know, and doing the same thing day in, day out, you get stuck in a rut, you know. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm very lucky and, I, you know, and I know there's lots of people suffering out there. I'm very lucky that I've got, a, you know, I've got a lovely wife, I've got a lovely family and that, you know, but it's still, it, it can be depressing, yeah. you know, but I'm not one of those people that goes around looking for sympathy. I try and, you know, deal with it my own way and stuff, but it was tough. It was very tough. And funnily enough, I, you know, because I, 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 I thanked him after, after I'd qualified for, from Q school, it, it, it wasn't until I, one of my practice partners actually, you know, called me on how bad my attitude was because mm. it, it, it's never really been bad. You know, and I never really realized how bad it had got, you know, through basically just through suffering, mm. you know. And when he said that, I thought, I thought, you know, I thought about it and I thought, wow, I never really realized, you know, because it wasn't disrespectful to him in any way. It was just me. And basically, I'm not one of those players. And I don't, I think there is very few players out there that can play when they get angry and, you no. know, that, you know, but, and I'm certainly not one of them. And I, I never really realized how much I was putting myself off. You know, so I, I do owe him a get debt of gratitude. Wow. Uh, sorry to hear that. I mean, we've 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 talked about this a lot of, through a lot of players. All not that situation, but any sort of off-table situation. It's such an impossible game to to deal with if anything's going on in your head that is taking concentration away. Yeah, and obviously, because because my son plays the tour as well, and I don't I obviously listen. I don't want to seem like I'm mourning because there's a lot of play. There's a lot of people out there, you know, in worse positions than me. But obviously, you take your own problems home with you, don't you? You know, and you and you sort of suffer, and you know I'm suffering, he's suffering, I'm losing, he's losing, and and it, it just has a it has a snowball knock on effect, mm. and you know, and you know the last thing you want to do is see your kids suffering, you know. So it, it was tough, it was mm. tough, but you know, hopefully we're sort of coming out of lockdown now. We can sort of try and get back to a bit of normality, and you know on with things really yeah and this must be a big morale boost at q school to come through the first event especially it seems extra nice yeah it, it was it was very yeah it was very really good really good you know i i'd said i said two months ago I, you know i spoke to my wife about it and i said to her you know i'm going to try and set myself some realistic goals because listen i don't want to say i'm suddenly going to start winning ranking events because that's not going to happen you know i'd love to win one i think everybody would but mm. you know i tried to set myself some realistic goals and one of them was to be the oldest player to get through Q school, you know, oh. because, I, you know, and, and, and I did it. So, you yeah. know, and, unless somebody beats it, I'm the oldest person so far. You're but not cheering yeah, on Terry Knowles in this last one then? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not. No, <laughs> well, no, listen, I like, I mean, he's tough out there, you know, and I'm, you know, I know Tony's been out of the game a long time and I'm not sure he realises just how many good players there is going to yeah. Q school, you know, so I don't think he realised how tough it would be. You know, but he got some good wins because he beat Craig Stedman in the first one and yeah. then Craig's qualified for the second one. So you never know. It would be some achievement, though, if Tony did do it. Yeah, it really would. Yeah. It really would. Well, let's just um, dot the I's and cross the T's a little bit more on, on what's happened at Q School. We know the names of the, of the players through, but it should give you a few more details. Peter, at the age of 51, beating Ian Burns 4-2 to seal that uh, prize uh, tour card. As we said, of course, Peter, a professional since 1991, former UK Championship quarter-finalist, former World Seniors champion, now back on tour again. Lots more chat with uh, Peter in a couple of moments' time. 
Jackson Page at the age of 19. Isn't that the beauty of snooker that players 32 years apart can uh, win tour cards? Uh, Jackson Page sealing his two-year tour card with a, a really impressive 4-1 win over Michael Georgiou and a couple of breaks of eight in the 80s in that match from Page. Uh, China's one Sijun also making it through from that first event. Uh, former ranking event semi-finalist, still only 21 years of age. He beat Mitchell Mann 4-2 uh, to win his two-year tour card, to seal that for him. And Scotland's Fraser Patrick, the fourth player from that first event, to win a two-year uh, tour card. He finished off with a 4-1 win over Bai Langning. Uh, and in the second event, well, we've seen so many experienced players coming through there. Alfie Burden, uh, ever-popular figure, seeing off Michael Colomb 4-1. Uh, and after nearly a year away, Burden, who's uh, been a pro since 1994, uh, did spend some time away recently, but just said he missed the buzz of playing, like you've already said, Peter, that buzz of being on tour. So he's back again. Michael Judge, uh, who beat Kuldesh Jahal 4-0, is back on tour, former ranking event semi-finalist and also once reached the last 16 of the World Championship. Now, I've scribbled down some words here from Michael Judge. Uh, Peters, I think you might be able to relate to them. I'm sure you will. He says, during lockdown, I was thinking I wouldn't mind giving it a go. And a friend said he would back me. I started practicing hard and things have fallen into place. And here I am back on tour for more torture. Now, that's what I like to hear, you know. <laughs> When Anthony Hamilton was on here, he said, you guys are masochists. And I think that says it all. Uh, you can relate to that, I'm sure, can you? That, that word torture. Yeah, absolutely. You know, But the thing is, you know, you're playing out there. Even when things are going terrible, we still love it. We just love it. We love, we love the thrill of being out there because all the defeats you get, you know, you might lose 10 matches in a row. But that one win that you get, it just seems to make it all worthwhile. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, we just love it. It's like when Anthony Hamilton was on here and he really, really stuck with me, certainly. I'm sure probably with Phil as well. Talked about seeing Stephen Hendry's face before he went out there. He was going to make a little joke, but he thought, mm, actually, no, he's got the game face on there and he's got the nerves big time. And Hendry later said, yes, I really felt it. But Anthony Hamilton said, that's what he'll have missed. He'll have missed that feeling of total adrenaline and nerves. And yeah. I guess... That's what that's what is that's what is the buzz for you guys, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, and, and the thing is, you're a long time retired, aren't you? So why not play as long as you can play? And and and, and listen, I I know because I heard somebody had said, you know, maybe these lads, blokes that are fifty odd, should should move aside and 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 let the 19, 20 year olds have a chance. But you know, if the nineteen or twenty year olds are good enough, they'll get through, like Jackson Page did. You know, like Wancy Jun did. You know, it's up to them to up their game, you know, and prove that we are good enough to be on the tour and prove that they are, you know, to earn their spot and, and you know, and prove that they can go out there and do it because it, it, it's tough and it doesn't get any easier when you're when you're older. So every credit, you know, to the players that do get through, especially when they are older. Yeah, yeah. I think this is it's easy to say, sort of um, armchair fans say, oh, you maybe old, older players should step aside. Yeah, it's your career here. You're not going to just going to sort of... Toss it away, just say, oh, someone else can have a go. Yeah, if you were a 50-year-old teacher, you wouldn't say, right, let a 19-year-old teacher take yeah. your place and you retire, would you? So, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, Peter, you said about you wanted to be the oldest. You are, but only just, because Barry Pinches, uh, who, who, who actually turned professional before you, now he was turned professional in 89. Now, 
you and Barry are growing old together on tour, aren't you? Yeah, I mean Barry's a good lad, and he's you know he's been a great player for a long time. It's a bit of a, it was a bit of a sickness though for me because uh, Sanderson, Lamb, and Kuldish Johal, and well Kuldish is my best friend, you know, and and Sanderson, we've all played the same club, so I would love to have seen those two get through, but unfortunately they just missed out. So hopefully they can do it in event three. Well, it sounded like a very dramatic match that that Barry pinches Sanderson Lamb. You won it four three pinches, and he says actually. I've played in big matches at the Crucible and all the main venues and the pressure just doesn't get any bigger than that. When the next two years depend on one shot, it's so hard. I tried to fist pump where Sanderson couldn't see me at the end because I was psyched. It's pure relief. Doesn't that say it all? You know, two years relying on, on a single shot. That He really crystallised it there. Yeah, absolutely. Because obviously the main toy is where everyone wants to play. But obviously if you don't get through, you've got 12 months to sort of just dwell on the fact that you didn't get through and, you know, you watch, you know, hopefully Touchwood Sanderson can get through, but if he does, then, then, you know, each time me and Oliver and Dave Grace, we go away at tournaments, he'll be back in the club practicing and it is, it's just, it's so tough, but that's the nature of professional sport, isn't it? It's just, it is tough. Whatever sport you go into, it's just so tough. I thought he might get through actually because Sanderson had a great win over Ross Muir who, Every time I look at the scores, Ross Muir's making enormous breaks. Uh, he beat yeah. him four one in the in the in the round before. Yeah, he's probably been he's probably been the most consistent player in there as Ross Muir, the way he's been scoring so heavy and you know, but yeah, that snooker, you know, you can play great match, great match, great match. You're off the ball for one match and and you're out. Mm. So you know, it's it doesn't matter, does it? But yeah, it's it's tough. Yeah, and, Pinches, and Pinches is one of those that. Um, you never hear a bad word about Barry Pinchers. Everyone seems to get on really well with him. Yeah, there's a, but I would say 95% of the tour are like that. You know, there are some yeah. great lads. There's some great lads on the tour. You know, you know, like you say, me and Barry, we've been on the tour for a long time. People like Rod Lawler, he's there. I mean, Rod is one of the nicest blokes you will ever meet, ever. You know, and you know, hope I know he's trying to get back on and hopefully he does it as well. But the thing is, there's only four, well, six spots left, so there's not enough yeah. room for everybody because there's some great players still not got through Q school and they're obviously, some of them are going to be in the same section now. So not everyone can get through. Mm. And, and coming up later, we'll talk about the 5% of people that aren't in that category. No, I'm only joking. We won't. <laughs> <laughs> we won't do that. And the final one, Craig Stedman beating Hamad Mia 4-3. Stedman 3-0 up in that one, but then um, really had to hold his nerve for victory. Former shootout semi-finalist. And never beyond the last 16 at a ranking tournament, but he has time now to put that right. Um, so, a wealth of experience of players going through so far. Do, do you think it might be obvious that it is that sheer weight of experience? But that must hold you in good stead, Peter, when you're in that intense, you know, boiling pot pressure situation of Q school. Yeah, well, I actually spoke to a lad yesterday that's playing in Q school, uh, and I said to him, I think a good attitude at Q school is worth its weight in gold because the standard is obviously isn't as high as it is on the main tour. Well, on the main tour, you have to play well or you definitely lose. Whereas on the, on the Q, playing in the Q school, you can be a little bit below par, have a good attitude, you know, have a good temperament, just keep playing the right shots at the right time and somehow get yourself through. So yeah, a good attitude is worth its weight in gold. Yeah, and that's experience buys that really, doesn't it? 
and you can tell by the people coming through it. Even Jackson Page and Juan Sejun, they've they played an awful lot of professional matches, even for young players. Yeah, yeah, I'm very surprised. I mean, I'm very certainly with Juan Sejun. I'm very, I was very surprised to see him at Q School mm-hmm. in the first place because, you know, if you'd have asked me one player that I thought would definitely get through, he would have been the player I picked because. I think he's far too good to be at Q-School. I mean, I don't really know the lad, so I don't know what's going wrong in his in his practice regime or whatever, you know, his match play. But there's no way he should be at Q-School. He's far too good for that. Yeah. I remember talking to Stephen Hendry a couple of years ago and he said he he was his, the brightest Chinese talent out there. So yeah, it's surprising yeah. to see him down there. But it's still, I mean, he's 21, isn't he? So it's just part yeah. of the journey, this, really. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, and, and but also I will say, you only get out what you put in. So if he maybe he's not putting a hundred percent effort in, and if he's not, you know, you get found out. We've seen, we've seen, you know, some of the top players, you know, like Neil Robertson a few years ago said he, you know, he'd taken his eye off the ball and that, and, and you start losing, you know, and he's one of the best players the game's ever seen. So if it can happen to him, it can happen to anyone. Yeah, very true. But Peter, is is Q School for you possibly too brutal a way to decide something so big? Should, should there be more of a kind of gradual approach, maybe more places given, you know, via the other avenues, or should it be all on that kind of two, two and a half week win or die? I mean, I, I would argue that sport is win or die a lot. So why shouldn't the qualifying process be like that? Where do you stand? Uh, I think a combination of the two, you know, and, and you know, the challenge tour, which, which we, we, we sort of tried to, revamp because I'm on I'm on the board now we've tried to revamp it to improve it to make it to make it fairer to make you know have a say um a set of tournaments during the season where the top so many players get through I mean that's only two at the moment but hopefully if that grows it could become four maybe eight because that's a true test the more tournaments you play in the higher the, the, the more consistent you are over the the period of time that's probably a fairer test but I also like Q School. You know, it gives a chance for the players that have just fallen off the tour to bounce straight back. And yeah, it is brutal. But like you say, sport, sport's brutal. Yeah, that's we, why we everybody loves the... it. That's why people talk about it. That's why people watch it because it is brutal. Hmm. Yeah, we, we spoke about the Q tour last week actually, and saying maybe there should be some more places coming with that. Do you know is that coming back this season? Coming? Um, the plan is yes, but. I mean, you know, so fingers crossed, you know, some of these restrictions lift and we can get on with it because um, we're sort of trying to, we had it scheduled to have four tournaments in in, uh, Europe, but also, uh, sorry, four tournaments in the UK, but four tournaments in Europe Mm -hmm. to get a, you know, feel for how how it's looking in other countries and stuff like that. But yeah, you know, so hopefully if that takes off, then then places will come available for that because that would be a, a fairer way for the amateur players. And also, it'll improve the standard of, of amateur play, which is yeah. what really it's in place for. You know, to give the youngsters something to aim for. You know, players like, let's say, that Liam Pullen that just did quite well in it, mm. you know, a chance to play all season, improve his game. Robbie McGuigan, so when they go to Q school, they're better players na- then than they are now. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. Um, Peter... Just generally a little bit away from Q School, you've obviously been a professional for so long. You've been on the tour uh, for so long. Has snooker ever been a better play, been in a better place? Is this the best time for players to play now? Would you say that it was, say, 15, 20, or even twenty-five years ago? Yeah, I would say absolutely yes. I mean, Barry Hearn, what Barry Hearn's done is 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 just phenomenal. It is is absolutely phenomenal. You know, to have 
15, 20 tournaments per year. You know, I, I mean, like you said, you had Hamilton on. We can remember the days when there was only six tournaments a year and you didn't play for months on end. And there's nothing worse than getting your queue out to practice when you've got nothing to play for, you know. So, you know, but also I think all the players appreciate that. They all appreciate the work that Barry's done. And, and it is a phenomenal time to be a pro. You know, if I could go back 30 years myself, I would love to, you know, because... He, you know, as it stands now, you know, I'm really jealous that my lad's sort of starting out and I'm, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say coming to the end, but now I've got another two years, so I'll prolong it a bit. <laughs> <laughs> How tough was it? I mean, this comes up a lot, but those times where it was just six tournaments, I mean, hard to make a living, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was. I mean, and, and a lot of players that didn't have sponsors like myself, I've never really had a sponsor, you know. I, I've been sponsored at the Northern Snook Centre, you know, and I play there and they've been great for me and that, you know, but, I've had a few jobs along the way as well, mm. you know, so it's what you have to do. And then it's hard to compete with top players if you're not playing full time. So, it, but now it's, it is, it's, it's absolutely fantastic now. Yeah. You couldn't squeeze in another job if you, even if you wanted one. At, in, at <laughs> no, <the minute>. no. <laughs> <laughs> a, a bit more, you've already sort of talked about it. it. It must be a great sense of pride for you to have a son on tour, but also, it must present a lot of difficulties because you're always so, I've heard you say before, you're always so interested in watching him, seeing how he's got on, but you've also got to think about your own game. I mean, it brings pressures as well as joys, doesn't it? Yeah, and I don't think, I don't think anybody else realises how tough it is that we're both on the tour. Mm. You know, even like, because there's lots of times where we're playing at the same time and it's just, it, it, it feels like it's just impossible to concentrate you know, when he's, he, I can see him, he's playing at the other side of the room or whatever, you're trying to have a look over, you're trying to concentrate on your own game, but even just sort of building yourself up for it. But, and, and funnily enough, uh, I spoke to Oliver about this maybe four years ago when he sort of, when he'd only been on the tour a couple of years. And I said to him, look, I said, I said, if you think it's affecting you, because I know it's affecting me, but I said, if you think it's affecting you in any way, uh, I'll stop playing because obviously, yeah. like any father, I want to see him succeed. You know, I want to see him get to the top if he can. But he said no, because obviously he, he, know, he knows how much I love to play. And, and he said, no, if you love to play and you can play, just keep playing. So, you know, we have talked about it, but it's just something we've got to deal with. Yeah, he, I spoke to him about it before as well, actually, and says, you know, if, if say, you've lost just before he has to play, and it, I think you're really close, aren't you? So it, it does affect just what whether one of you loses and then has to play afterwards. It gets you down, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it can do. But then also, it can have the it can have the reverse effect. If he's won, it can give you a little shot in the arm, True, you know. Yeah. So you know, we've just got to try and win more, you know, to, <laughs> so we can like boost each other. So, I mean, talk about Oliver's young days a little bit, Peter. When did you sort of realise you think, ah, oh, actually, what age was he when he thought, I think he could be a pro as well. He's that good. Well, funnily enough, you know. Um, he didn't really start playing seriously till he was maybe 12 or 13. He used to, like a lot of kids, he used to play football, he used to do judo, he used to, you know, he used to like to do a lot of stuff. And it, it wasn't really until me and his mum split up, uh, when he was about 13, that he sort of, he sort of started interested in it, you know, because it was basically a way for me and him to spend more time together. Mm. You know, so and then and then so, but he didn't really have any coaching either. Obviously, he's shown the basics and that, but he's always had a pretty good technique. So I was always thought that he had a chance, you know, because 
the technical side of it is very important. And if that comes naturally, it comes easy to you, you have got a chance. And he loves to practice, you know, and that's that's obviously a massive thing. So if you're having to tell someone to go and practice, go and practice, go and practice, they haven't really got much chance of doing anything. Whereas if you love it out there in the practice arena, then you have got you have got a chance. And he's always loved it as well. So I feel like sometimes I watch him, I think he, he looks as good as anyone sometimes. But what, what do you think it's going to take for him to go to the next level? Um, I think probably over the last, um, I won't say the last six months, but I'll say the eight teams before that, maybe two years before that, he'd lost his way a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say he'd lost his love for the game, but it, it was, it was, it got too comfortable, mm-hmm. you know? So I think, and we talked about it, you know, and, you know, he's tried a few different things, by mainly traveling around more, you know, to play better players in practice to test himself more. He signed up with that sight right, and it seems to have it helped oh, wow. him a little bit, you know. So hopefully, if you can, if you can continue that. But like I said, if you're happier in your private life and your personal life, you will give yourself a chance to produce on the snooker table, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult if you're not. And right now, he seems he seems a lot more settled. He seems really happy in himself. So. You know, touch wood, he can start to produce the stuff that he produces all day long in the club. Yeah. What What do you remember back to yourself, Peter? Now those early days on tour, does it seem like you were not a different person? But does it feel almost unbelievable now when you think about the kind of characters that were around then, sort of thirty years ago? It was such a different place to tour then. What's your sort of memories of that time now? Um. Um. Whew. I, I I would say they're pretty much the same as they are there. I mean, the characters that were around then are all, have obviously changed, you know. But to me, I, you know, I still feel like it, every every time the season starts, I still feel like I did in nineteen ninety one. You know, when you when you start a fresh season, you always think this could be the one. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> you just you just never know, do you? You know, but like I say, I still love it. So you know, but obviously the Dennis Taylors and stuff like that, but. I think I don't think that aura that those sort of players had, Steve Davis, I don't think he's around anymore because you see these players all the time. Mm. You know, you're around them, they're on the TV, you're on the TV, you know what I mean? Because like basically it seems like everyone gets on the TV these days, is whereas you used to have to win so many matches just to get there. And then you were so in awe when you got there that a lot of the time you just folded. Who's the person like you played who had, the, who had the biggest aura that you played? Um well, for me, Steve Davis, because I grew up watching Steve Davis and, and I just love him. And, you know, they say you should never really meet your heroes, but I've met Steve like a few times and he is he is a great bloke. He's the best exhibition I've ever seen, the nicest bloke you'll ever see. And, you know, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, he might and, Go on, Phil. <laughs> sorry, no, I was going to say, who, who do you think is the best player you've played? Maybe if, um, even if it's just one performance against you. I've ever played is the rocket because he's the yeah. best player I think the game's ever seen. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's just he's just I mean, and and to still be producing the level he's producing at 45 or whatever he is now mm-hmm. is just it's absolutely frightening. Yeah. It's absolutely frightening how good he is and how good he's always been. And so sort of developed as well. I mean, that, that's the way, isn't it? He's sort of burst under scene and was obviously amazing, but plays a different game now, but it's still <laughs> almost almost better. Yeah, yeah. Probably so, yeah. I mean, I saw, I, I watched Paul Hunter, you know, and he was a phenomenal talent. And it's a shame, obviously, that no one ever got to see him lift the world title because 
he, he was one of the he was one of the best two or three players I think I've ever seen talent wise. You know, as a youngster, you know when you see him grow up and you see him for the first time, mm-hmm. he was one of the best two or three I've ever seen. Yeah, and you've you, you, you've you've grown up and seen you know so many wonderful players. Do, how much do you glean from those kind of characters when you play them? Are you, the likes of O'Sullivan, maybe John Higgins, Steve Davis back in the day. Are you learning about your own game as much as you can while you're watching them? I, I think I, I would say that that's how most people learn. You know, you pick up a lot more by watching what they do, how they how they approach the game, what their routine is, how they play the shots. You know, how they go about their business. I think to me, that's the best way to learn. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, just to sort of change the subject a little bit, Judge Trump's comments recently about the game and maybe the state of it. I, I don't know if you saw that big interview you did with Phil. Obviously, it caused a few shock waves. Did, did, that, did you identify with any of that? Do you think that maybe we're not moving with the times enough? Would, would Oliver maybe say, say things to you at times that maybe would relate to that as well? Yeah. I would. I didn't agree with all of it that Judd said. No, but I mean, you know, some of it. Some of it was relevant. I mean, I'm a bit of a traditionalist. I wouldn't like to see people wearing t-shirts, and you know, people can still express themselves in their suits, you know, or maybe wear different stuff around the the venues and stuff. And maybe maybe we could see more uh, interviews while people be, you know, before they get ready, you know, mm-hmm. while they're in their casual gear or whatever. But I'm a traditionalist. I like to see the waistcoats. I like to see the the suits. You know, maybe the ties in the afternoon, the bow ties at night, but I think it looks smart and I, I, I don't think you can beat it. I think we mentioned this before when we were talking about Gods of Snooker. And it's, it's, in the past, people really did go go a bit different on this in their suit. Like they're wearing all sorts of more expressive suits. We don't see that yeah. so much anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, like you say, people could express themselves in that way. You know, it, it was great, wasn't it? That, 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 that series of... Mm. programs gods of snooky was fantastic to watch you know when you saw kirk stevens and then you know and they used to take both the winner and loser into the studio with david fine for an interview that doesn't happen anymore does it the losers just gone straight home and (laughs) (laughs) but no but peter just to play devil's advocate it was a great program and you know we all reveled in it it was wonderful great characters great memories but should there be a program about the last 10 years instead you know with snook also in a great place do we well, do we harp back to, to the, that golden era too much? No, only not me, because me and Dave Grace, we, we talk about stuff all the time. You know, we, we put the world to rights all the time in the club, you know, about it. And, and yet we'd like to see, we, I think we'd like to see the same thing, you know, a programme about Selby, a programme about Judd, a programme about rivalries, you know, with Ronnie and him, you know, yeah, anything. Any, I would say anything that, that they could get on the TV would be great. Mm. Yeah, and... That that was the one criticism that people had for the gods of snooker. I think it did it did sort of make it seem that snooker died in sort of nineteen ninety four or wherever it got to, um, which which was a bit unfair. We thought. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah, I totally agree because there's been some there's been some great players. You know, there's been some great characters over the years. You know, in fact, you know, we always sort of discuss who our best ten players of all time are. Mm. You know, most of my modern day players. You know, because the standards just gone through the roof, hasn't it? You know, so. It's, you know, the, the players are out there, the characters are out there. You've just got to, they've got to be seen, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. We love you on commentary, Peter. Are we going to hear more of you doing that? Um, 
I, I hope so. I hope so. You know, I've looked. It's something I've looked into. You know, because I really enjoyed. You know, I absolutely loved it. You know, the people down at, at Eurosport they made me feel really welcome. Dave Hendon, Phil Stood. You know, and 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 I really did enjoy it. You know, because I love talking about snooker. I love watching it, and you know, and to go down there and to talk about it. You know, rather than me just sat home boring my wife talking about it. You know, I got to talk about it on TV. So <laughs> I gave her a break. Well, yeah, they're real pros, those guys. They really know what they're doing, don't they? They're great. They're great. They, make, they really make you feel welcome. Phil Yates, another good one, you know. And But I really did love it. So, you know, fingers crossed I can get some more because, like I say, it's, you know, and I, and I did get some good feedback. I mean, I don't know whether I was good or not. People said I was, but, you know, so fingers crossed I get another chance. Yeah. There's more Championship League, isn't there? And then I think Jason Ferguson mentioned that this Pro Series might come back again. So there could be plenty of opportunities in that. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. But I think it's good that they try new commentators out, you know, and yeah. try, like, I mean, that was one of Judd's points, wasn't it? To try new commentators out. Maybe there will be some gems out there, you know, you know, mix them with the established uh, order and that, that could work well. Yeah, I thought Judd did a great job on commentary, actually. Yeah, but I was a little bit surprised by that. I mean, I thought, you know, and, and, and Jack sort of staying around because I think if, if I was... If I was in his shoes, I, I'm not sure I would want to be there watching someone else win the title. I yeah. thought I was going to win, but but yeah, he did a great job. So and he was, it, you know, he was, it was really good. It was really fresh. It was, it brought something different to it. Mm. And I think you you came up with one of my favourite lines actually in the last couple of years. Well, I'm probably not going to sell it very well now. I think it was Dave Hendon alongside you and said uh, there was a, a bad shot missed by someone, and you were both sort of saying, "Oh, not very good." But, Dave said, of course, we never, we never miss any shots from up here, do we? He said, oh, I do. I do. Yeah. I, I still miss them. Great, that. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. The idea that you still miss shots from the commentary from... box. <laughs> <laughs> that was smashing. But um, you obviously had so, you know, so, so many, obviously, moments you'll enjoy. You talk about every win you get on tour being special. But would there be one moment you look back on? Would it be... Maybe the World Seniors win, that great one you had at the UK that year, or, or just just a random win against a good player. What, what would stand out for you? Well, I think I think the match that stands out for me the most, because like I said, I never thought, I've never really thought that I was going to win a ranking event because like while I was playing at my best, there was only say six, eight tournaments and they were getting dominated by Hendry, Ronnie, Higgins, Williams, you know, Hunter, Doherty, Ebden. It was hard to win a ranking event, so I never really thought I could win one. But um, about four years ago, I got to the semis of the Paul Hunter, which was a ranking event then, and I got beat by Kyron Wilson in the semis. And it was the first time in my entire career that I thought, do you know something? I think I'm going to win it. Yeah. And I'd never thought that before. And I was heartbroken. Heartbroken because I'd sort of accepted the fact that I wasn't going to win it that you know, because I've beaten all the top players, but it's hard to beat one, then another one, then another one. But yeah, when I lost the match in the semis, that I was absolutely heartbroken, you know, to look because I thought first time ever I could do it. But you look back on it fondly now as a, as a great run. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, because I played, it was probably the best snooker I've played in the last 10 years, you know, and, wow. and obviously I lost 4 3 on the black. and. If I'd have won, maybe I would have won one. But you know that snooker, isn't it? It's it's full of highs and lows. 
how do you get over those 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 blows how long does it take you and and what do you tell yourself eventually to, to sort of move on um You know, I get, you know, I'm, I'm like everybody. You get a bit upset when you've lost. You come straight off. You make a few excuses. You say he was lucky and he got a fluke and he got a kick and you make all your excuses. But <laughs> when I wake up the next morning, I have a realistic view on it that, you know, and then I think about the shots that I should have done and this and that. I'm okay the next morning. I'm just ready to go back to the club and have another good day. You had that great run at the UK. When was the, the quarterfinal run? But then it was later than this when you and Ollie won a few games. I think 2016 yeah. that must have been a really nice yeah. few days. It was, yeah, because I beat Neil Robertson and then he outdid me the day after by beating Judd Trump. So yeah, yeah. it was a bit. You can't, I can't, I can't have anything. A bit. There's not, <laughs> there's not many, there's not many pros that are playing snooker that are not even topping their own house of the rankings. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, I'm absolutely cursed. <laughs> That's like the Mark Wall, Steve Wall thing, wasn't it? Not, not even the best batsman in your own family. I'm not saying it's true of you, but it reminds me of that same same sort of joke. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But is you know, we as you say, it's very it's it's a tough life being being a snooker player, isn't it? But you know, Anthony Hamilton when he was on here, he was sort of saying, you know, people in the media or the fans, they always gauge on what you've won, how many events you win. But he sort of said. We're not like that as pros. We get excited if you if you build two or three wins together against you know fellow pros. That's that's sort of good enough for us. Is that is that your sort of mindset? Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, because it is so tough. I mean, you just said there. I got to the quarters of the UK and I, I got to the quarters of the UK and I beat I beat Xiao Gudong, Ian McCullough, Nigel Bond, uh, Marco Fu, Mark Williams. To string five results like that together to get to the quarterfinals was. Was a is a phenomenal achievement, especially the first to nine, but like it was then, you know. But I, I woke up the next morning for the quarterfinals, and I went down for quarterfinals, and it was basically the top seven in the world and me, and it just felt it just felt so weird, you know, to be still in with that with that company. But yeah, but and it sort of it makes it all worthwhile when you do occasionally put something like that together. I mean, what you just described there, those first to nines, that's like winning a tournament almost. Yeah, just with yeah absolutely. Matches. You know, and that's probably that's probably my greatest achievement. You know, to beat Mark Williams mm. in a first to nine, you know, in the UK Championship is 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 a phenomenal effort from anyone. It was a decider as well. I mean, how did that feel getting into that final frame? Yeah, nerve wracking. But and I, I cleared up from the last red to win it on the black. Huh. One of the things you remember, you know, that was that was. 2009 yeah you know so yeah and and i still remember it like it was yesterday amazing uh, i mean you, you've got two more years now but you you don't really have an end date in sight do you you, you want to carry on playing as, as you say you're a long time retired you don't seem the retiring type no i want to play as long as i can possibly play you know and even if i even if i, I fall off in two years you know, then I'll probably still play, you know, whether it be the amateur stuff or the whatever, I will still play because I just love snooker. Yeah, you're doing some coaching up in Leeds now as well. Yeah, I do the coaching at the club at the Snook Northern Snook Centre in Leeds, mm. and you know, and I coach a few of the youngsters, you know, and it, it's quite satisfying to coach these players, you know, that, that are there because I don't 
I'm not, I wouldn't say I don't like to coach uh, the sort of beginners, but I do really enjoy coaching, you know, the ones that come in and they get the queue out and they're going to play four or five hours a day and you tell them, give them something to work on and they'll go away mm. and work and work and work on it. Yeah, I love to see the improvement in those lads. Are there, are there a few of those knocking around then? Because you sort yeah, of there is. There aren't enough of those now. There's three or four. Yeah, there's three or four at the club, but I think, I mean, because I, I heard Ronnie say that before, you know, that the talent's not coming through in this country, but I think the reason for that is was because of the state of the game. Mm. You know, let's say 10 years ago. So what's happened is, I think, is there was probably a 10-year period where people didn't want to take snooker up because there was no point. Whereas mm. now it's coming back. It's going to take time to come back, but it will come back because now it's worth putting the effort in. It's worth trying your best to try and make it as a pro because the rewards are there if you can get there. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to young players coming through now? I mean, we're seeing a lot of experienced players actually getting through on Q school, but there will be the, the odd youngster coming through. And, and even the younger ones that are on tour, from your, from your sort of wealth of experience, would there be one or two pieces of advice you'd give a young player? I would just tell them to try and enjoy it. You know, don't put too much pressure on yourself and just enjoy it because, you know everybody plays or does anything to the best of their ability when they're enjoying themselves. You know, mm-hmm. if they go out there, you know, because it, it, it can be a lonely place. I would say try and get yourself somebody that can go around with you to take your mind off things. You know, it doesn't necessarily need to be a coach, but if you can get someone to go around with you, you know, someone that someone that could give you the odd telling off if you needed to, put your arm around you if you needed to, but just somebody that knows you, you know, because... It can be a lonely place out there in the snooker, like circuit, when things are going badly, you know. So you need the right person in your corner. Yeah, that I mean, that seemed to work wonders with Joe, doesn't it? With it, have his brother with him, and uh, you, you hear that a lot with when people are out in China, um, and it gets very, very lonely. Yeah, you know, when you you you're a million miles from home, you're stuck there on your own. You know, it's, it it can be a lonely place, but but also. Be afraid to reach out and speak to, to you know talk to the other pros, you know, for the youngsters. You know, the other pros are approachable. You know, all the players like myself and Barry Pinches, Hamilton, Lawler, they're approachable. You know, if you've got anything you want to ask or anything you know, you know, you don't like, you know, go and go and ask the one of them players, you know, because even though we're all trying our best to try and win and beat everyone else, we're all there for everybody else as well. Mm-hmm. Did, did you have anyone like that that you spoke to when you were, say, 20, 25, one of those sort of veteran players? Um, no, not really. Not really, no. You know, I used to just go around the circuit on my own. And, and, and um, it, funnily enough, it wasn't until, because I teamed up with Steve Press, that I had that person. And then I realised that I wish I'd done it years ago because he'd always offered to help me, you know, and we were friends and, you know, and, and, and that, and, and, and I'd sort of always said, no, I don't really want, I don't really want, I want, you know, I'd rather, I like being on my own, but it wasn't until I worked with, I wouldn't necessarily say worked with him coaching wise. It was just having someone to chat to, you know, someone mm. to, 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 to sort of bounce off, you know, when you were there, take your mind off it. Cause if you don't take your mind off it, you'll just sit in your room thinking, right, I've got another match. I've got another match. And, yeah. you know, and then all of a sudden months down the line, you're not enjoying it anymore. It's not why you started playing. Yeah. And you mentioned the, the achievable goals. You've done the Q school, the oldest two Q school. Uh, could you tell us what else you've got on the plan for the um, season to come? Well, 
I'd like I'd like to try and get my World Seniors trophy back, the one I won. Okay. You know, I was proud. I was proud to win that. You know, it was a great achievement, and I, I'd like to try and get that back. But but I said two years ago when I got on that I was just going to enjoy myself and enjoy every match I played and enjoy the whole thing. You know, obviously you don't enjoy losing, but you know if you can, if you're enjoying the all the whole experience of being a pro. But I didn't really do that, you know, for one reason or another. So I'm determined that I'm definitely going to do that. But yeah, like I said, the only other goal I set myself was to try and win my World Seniors title back. Yeah, it's really improving the seniors. It's, everyone's really enjoying it, I think. Yeah, just, yeah, and the standard's getting better, you know. And as the standard gets better, then, you know, more people will start playing in it. And, and and you can't wait for crowds to come back, Peter, like all, all the other players. It Pandemic snooker, like pandemic life, we made the best of it, haven't we, as, as players and fans and journalists and everyone, but it's been far from ideal, clearly. Yeah, because realistically, it's the fans that make the game worthwhile you know isn't it you know going out there in front of an empty arena you know even just seeing the odd even if there's only a few people there watching you know hearing the odd ooh ah you know when you're missing yeah. shots and the tension comes in from the crowd getting involved in it you know and, and yeah that's what everybody's missed it, yeah there's, because, there's certain noises that the fake laughter the fake applause just couldn't cut could it no absolutely not but <laughs> yeah like you say it, 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 it is what it is and and well, Snooker did a great job, you know, but, you know, thankfully, touch wood, we've seen, you know, we've seen the worst of this, so we can get them back in force because also for the fans, you know, just sitting at home watching Snooker, you know, they want to get out there, don't they? They want to get to the venue and, 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 and see the people that they love to watch. Is there a venue you're looking forward to getting back to in particular? Well, I've only been to the Crucible once, so I'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> but but um, I really I really do like York, and I've 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 always played pretty well at York. But mm -hmm. I would say probably after the Crucible, the Tempodrome in Germany. I've been yeah. there two or three times, and that is a fantastic atmosphere. That is amazing. You know, I've been yeah, lucky enough to play there a few times. So yeah, it gets rave reviews. Me and Nick have both said we've not been before, but it's right at the top of the list of things to do. Everyone says it's incredible. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you know, like because obviously they have the five tables up, and then even when it goes down the um, the one table set up, it's it's just it's an amazing atmosphere. Amazing. You should definitely get yourselves over there. Yeah, sure. And how and how special was that world championship just gone, Peter? Thinking about the crowds coming back, that was quite a sight, wasn't it? The final. I mean, let alone snooker, just in life itself to see to see it full for that final. I presume you were tuning in. That, that must have been very special for you, someone right at the heart of snooker. Yeah, it was. It was, yeah. But, you know, it, it, I think it's the same in any sport. You know, I love I love, I love, love a lot of sports, especially football. But, yeah, to see the crowd back at the Crucible, it kind of made it all worthwhile. You know, it's like you'd sort of forgotten about what was going on just for those two weeks when you saw them coming back in there, you know, and you saw their faces and you saw how much they've, they, they've missed it. It was it was amazing, amazing. Yeah, it was an emotional scene that last the last the final. It got so loud in there. Yeah, absolutely. And as your position on the board, um, what is there anything you've got in mind that you want to um, focus on, or anything you've got in the pipeline that you want to bring in, or anything? Um, there's one or two things that, but I think. You know, for the most part, you know, they're doing a great job. I'd like, you know, I'd like to 
I'd like to possibly see um, some of the ranking events be changed a little bit. Um, maybe, you know, to have a, like, like the World Championship is structured. I wouldn't mind seeing that in, in say, maybe some of the China comps, let's say, because mm-hmm. I think it, it would not only, it'd give the, the players that say are coming on the tour a chance to sort of establish themselves, you know, rather than being thrown in the deep end with a top player each time, yeah. you know, it'd give them a chance to play like a lower ranked player first against each other, maybe settle the nerves, you know, win some matches here and there, give them a chance to progress, you know, it's tough to progress these days, you know, when you you straight in and you hit Jordan, then you hit Max Selby and then you hit Ali Carter and stuff. It's tough for them players to establish themselves, you know, so maybe that, but for the most part, you know, everything seems good at the moment for me. Yeah, that that is something that I've seen quite a few players talk about because it is, it's brutal. I mean, Julian Boyko was one I noticed this season, 14 years old or 15 and he seemed to be playing a top 10 player almost every tournament. And that is almost impossible. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, it would be a shame because there's a sort of danger of losing these players to the game. Mm. And, you know, because they think, well, what's the point? I just turn up, I get hammered. I go back home. I'm spending a fortune. I'm not winning any money. <laughs> then, you know, it's, it is tough. Yeah. Whereas at least if he was playing the odd match where he played somebody like lower ranked, you know, in the same boat as himself, then one of them will win. It'll give at least one of the two players a chance to possibly progress to the next round, gain a little bit of confidence. Because, you know, the only reason you get confidence is by winning matches. (laughs) Yeah, I think you're right in in saying there should be a mixture because obviously, like we were saying before, there's plenty to learn from playing some of the greats of the game. But just getting thrashed by them every week uh, is a brutal experience, isn't it? Yeah, and on TV each time, whereas, you know, and it, it can get a bit humiliating, you know, when you just mm. keep getting turned up and you, you just get thrashed, you go back home. <clears throat> yeah. One thing that comes to my mind, Peter, you said about how much you enjoy playing at, playing at York and us as fans and journalists love going there. The UK Championship's very special, got a great history. Um, will there ever be a chance, do you think, of, of extending that event slightly, maybe a little bit of a return to the old days of long semi-finals, for example? That's what most fans tend to say they want. Yeah, I mean, let's hope so, you know, let, let's hope so. I mean, I think a lot of, the, I think the players love that. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure the fans do, but I know the players definitely do. You know, I, I sort of get the impression that the fans like to see the finish of a match. So if you've bought, say, tickets for a middle session or a first session and you see, say, the first eight frames and someone's winning 6-2, you can't beat the finish to a match, can you? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think, personally, you know, you know the excitement that that gives. You know, because the, the thing is, at the end of a match, it doesn't matter how people are playing. You know, everyone loves centuries, but the tension that you get when both players are missing because they're trying to get over the line, that you, you just can't put a price on that. It's absolutely awesome. That's the best part of snooker for me. Yeah, I thought that was going to be a bit of a nightmare for the fans of the world. From those, there are a couple of games that got pulled off, um, and then they come back for the final frame after the next match. I thought if I was a fan watching it until the penultimate frame and then missed that yeah. decider, I'd be really annoyed. But then on the flip side, the ones that are coming for the, the next session, they yeah. got to see oh. the end of one, then yeah. the end of another, then the yeah, end of another. Bonus. They were absolutely laughing it up. Yeah. <laughs> no, really, very much so. Well, Peter, you've been absolutely terrific. 
is there anything we've missed, Phil? There probably is. We'll probably be kicking ourselves five minutes after. We'll say, why didn't we ask him that? Is there anything? I imagine so. It's always the way. Pete, I mean, Peter will ask you, is there anything else you want to talk about to get off your chest? No, I don't think so, no. <laughs> We've covered <laughs> everything, I think. Lovely. Good man. Well, just a few things be- before we go. Phil, I would like to say that we loved having Marcus Stead on, didn't we, last week? And he got a lot of compliments, didn't he? Because, you know, he had so so many salient points to make about the game. So, you know, I, I know Marcus listens to us. Thank you so much again, Marcus. He was, um, he was a pr- pretty special guest presenter, wasn't he? Yeah, very enjoyable. We always get a bit jealous when the guests get a lot of praise, but... I suppose we're pleased about it, really. Uh, so, no, don't thank worry, you you'll, be all right you'll be all right tonight, then. <laughs> <laughs> no, they won't. They'll be saying, get Peter on every week. They really will. Don't worry about that. A um, couple more things. Dave Tinder was on the Snooker Scene podcast, the latest episode. A really entertaining listen, that, wasn't it? But I know you heard it as well. But very yeah, funny. So very much worth tuning in for. And also, Gods of Snooker is on the iPlayer still if you're in if you're in the UK and I have noticed it's popped up on YouTube so I know we've had a few people asking us so we can't see it because we're abroad well it is now on YouTube so I'm sure that could be good news for some of our international listeners uh, well that's just about it we, we we got no no snooker to watch but we got the Euros we're all big football fans aren't we so I know it's a snooker podcast but it's coming up and uh, well what any hopes of an England success, Peter, or is that is that pie in the sky? Um, I'd like to think so. I'd like to think that we'd win it one more time in my lifetime, seeing as I've never seen us win it. But, um, you know, I, I can't see it being this year. One more time? They, they never won the Euros. But I know what you're saying. No, but, but, <laughs> win, win, I'll take anything. <laughs> yeah. There'll be a few Leeds players in action, not just for England. Martin Phillips. Phillips. Yeah. Lad. Yeah, I was, uh, was. I think I was talking to Ollie about that actually when I saw him in Wales. He said, "You guys just don't win unless Phillips plays. Is that important?" Yeah, he is. Yeah, he comes in the club as well. He likes to get the snooker. Does Calvin? Oh, really? Yeah, he is loves good? the snooker. Um, I'm not. Th- I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we'll all enjoy the Euros anyway. Of course, kicking mm-hmm. off in a few days' time. Uh, that's just about it then for talking snooker. Will you come back and see us again one day, Peter? Yeah, absolutely. I'll be on any time you want. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. It's very kind. Very good of you to be here. No problem. No problem at all. Well, well, thank you, sir. And Phil, we'll be along next week as well to wrap up the end of uh, Q School and uh, maybe catch up with a little bit more of our, our correspondence. So keep it coming to us, talkingsnooker at yahoo.com or tweet us at Talking Snooker. Have a great week, Phil. You've been delightful company as always. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure to be here. And thanks again to Peter. Indeed. And uh, until the next time, from Phil, Peter and myself, it's cheerio for now. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.